following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Come on, brothers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown, good Lord, show me. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I am sick of religious talk. I am I am heartbroken by pastoring year after year among people who are basically dead who are not spiritually alive, who don't eagerly pray, who don't eagerly go about the things of the gospel, who have not laid down their lives. Rather, they're simply using the gospel in hopes of getting their reward in the end. But they're full of religious talk. And, frankly, most sermons and most books in the religious bookstores are just religious talk. For many, religion is a hobby when you have some time. But it's not the primary focus of their hearts and their lives and of their time and of their money and their resources. This has to change. And I tell you what I finally come to. What I have finally come to is I am simply saying to people who are dead, but religious. You're dead. And you're causing a stench. And it's time to either get with Jesus or get with the devil. You can't be in both camps. Either you're going to be sold out for the gospel of Jesus Christ, or you're going to be sold out 
for the devil. You can't have it both ways. And frankly, I have thought some who took this posture were rather harsh. But they're not harsh at all. It's very clear that many are involved in religion, but not in salvation. I want to read a passage for you. Luke 13. I'm going to begin reading with verse 23. Listen, this is not religious talk. Do you know the difference between religious talk and the gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel of Jesus Christ is about the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. It is about the authority of God coming upon the earth. And we who are followers of Jesus coming under that authority and then using every ounce of energy we have to expand that authority on the earth. And most will not receive it. Then a certain man asked him, Lord, if the ones being saved are few. He said to them, You must be straining every nerve to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. Now, if we go back in the Greek, the word you must be straining every nerve comes from the Greek word from which we get the English word agonize. In other words, you're not going to drift into the kingdom of God. You're not going to prance into the kingdom of God. We were all born on the Broadway. Now, I don't care if you call it original sin or if you just recognize that all of humanity, born in the likeness of Adam, was born into sin. We were born as sinners. We were born with that seed of utter destruction in our hearts. And the natural progression of that seed bearing fruit is to sin against the Almighty God. And if there is not a divine intervention... If there is not a supernatural intervention in our hearts where we will repent and turn from our wicked ways and be born again from above to walk that narrow path, Jesus opened a narrow path in his grace, in his mercy, in his love, in his kindness. He opened a narrow path. He's saying, you must agonize every nerve to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. From the time the master of the house may be roused up and may shut the door, you may begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. And having answered, he will say to you, I do not recognize you where you are from. When you begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not recognize you where you are from. You must depart from me, all workers of unrighteousness. You must depart from me if you are still walking in known sin against me. If you're still in rebellion and you're walking that broad highway and you refuse to go through the narrow gate, Jesus is that narrow gate. There is no other gate into the, into the narrow path that will take us safely if we follow it. Will take us safely to the celestial city, as John Bunyan says. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see 
Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you are cast outside. You see why I say no more religious talk. Look, let's deal with the realities that we have to deal with in order to walk that narrow path. Let's deal with the realities that we must face honestly. If we expect to knock on that door and be welcomed, there must be a total change. You see, we don't repent of just sins that we have committed. We must repent for who we are. Who we are before salvation comes. Who we are before we have been crucified with Christ is an abomination before him. We are sons of the devil. We are daughters of Satan. Friday night, I was invited to go to a beautiful restaurant for dinner. And as I was sitting there, they brought a couple to the table next to me. I was embarrassed for her. More than half of her breasts were exposed and she was well endowed. This couple sat down at the table next to me, and they ordered. And then the man reached out his hand, and he took her hand, and they prayed out loud, fervently prayed. I was ashamed of them. I didn't even acknowledge them. I never turned my face and looked at them. I didn't want to see the sight before me. I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a woman. And here's a couple who claim to be Christian who publicly pray and dress like the devil, dress like Satan. And I'm saying, how is this possible? Twice dead. Claiming to be followers of Jesus and dress like Jezebel and proud of it full of laughter and conversation, unconscious, unconscious. You see why I'm tired of religious talk? It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't change us. And I'm sick of the church being full of people who are unconverted. And many pastors have labored, as I have, to try to call people to awaken. It's of no use, because no one ever told them they were already dead. And if they wanted to be resurrected, they were going to have to come to Jesus because their sin had separated them, and now they can practice religion, but it's only a hobby, and they are hell-bound. It says, They will come from the east and the west, the north and the south. They will recline in the kingdom of God. And behold, those who are last will be first, and those who are first will be last. I'm tired of religious talk. I'm not going to practice it. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be tolerant. I'm not going to be politically correct. I want as many as I can to enter fully into Jesus Christ and into the kingdom above. And I'm not going to pretend that you're in the kingdom above when you're still walking in rebellion and sin against Almighty God. It is time to repent. Now, there, there's true repentance and there's false ego repentance. True repentance is not something that you do for yourself. True repentance is something you do for God because you have offended the mighty God of heaven. You see, this is not a self-help process. 
This is not a, a humanistic process of self-improvement. Oh, let's let's go take a course in how to be friendly. Let's go take a course on on how to communicate better. Let's go take a course that will help us understand how to deal with our anger and our rage. This is not rage management. This is rage death. This is rage cut off. This is transformation into a new creature in Christ. This is not going to a a self-help group for sexual addiction. This is being transformed into a new man, into a new creature. It's not about trying to put down the old man of sin. It's about having the old man of sin slain in us and removed from us. Do you understand what I'm saying to you today? Repentance, if it's going to be a true repentance, must be something you do for God because you have offended the Almighty. Do you understand? It's Jesus who holds you in his hand, who can cast you into hell or who can bring you into heaven and salvation. It's with Jesus you must make your peace. Not with me. I'm just, I'm nobody. You don't have to make your peace with the local Baptist pastor or the local Anglican pastor or the local Methodist pastor. You've got to make your peace with Jesus Christ. So you better find out what Jesus expects and what his demands are. He demands that you deny yourself. What do we mean? He demands that you deny the Broadway walk and transition into a whole new life. Oh, oh, pastor, I can't leave my drugs. I've tried, but I just can't, I just can't break this. No, of course you can't break the addiction. You're not supposed to be able to break the addiction. You've got to recognize that that addiction is offensive to God. And he will cast you into hell with that addiction. As one local pastor said to one of his parishioners who reported this to me, you can continue your your Coke drug. God doesn't care. He only cares that you love him and you serve him and and you're saved by grace and you're going to continue in your drug habit and you're saved. Don't worry about it. What? This pastor's drunk. He's insane. He's hellbound. Any pastor who says, look, you can continue in your sin and you're still saved is hellbound. He is a traitor to Jesus Christ. See, right now, everybody is all concerned about the inauguration and and the political struggle that's going. You know what I'm concerned about? The eternal struggle for who is going to enter the kingdom of God versus who's going to be cast into hell. That's what I'm concerned about. And I want you to enter into the kingdom of God. I want you to be saved. I don't want you to go to hell. So there are two kinds of repentance. One kind let's call ego repentance. And let's call the other kind of repentance true repentance. I remember... And I've shared this story before, but please bear with me. It's important for what I need to say to you. When I was a little boy, my mother came home one day and she had a box filled with beautiful rocks that were truly candy, not rocks, but they looked like rocks. And she put them in her favorite candy dish, put it on her dresser, and said, Now, boys, 
Don't touch this candy. This candy is for when Grandma comes because this is her favorite kind of candy. She is coming to visit us, and I want her to be able to share in this candy with with you boys and with us. So it's it's not to be touched. Okay, Mama. But later, several days later, I was in looking at that candy. And suddenly this brilliant idea flashed into my mind. I'll bet I could take one piece and nobody would ever know it. So I took a piece out of the pile of, of rock candy and I could see very plainly that nobody could tell a piece was gone. And so I ate it and I enjoyed it. I loved it. Sometime later, I went back and I said, wow, I'll bet I could take another one and nobody would notice. So I took another one and I ate it and it was delicious. I felt very guilty. I knew I was disobeying my mother. But it was very tasty. Sometime later, I went back again. But this time, I noticed that the dish was noticeably empty. I became very concerned about that. I said, Mama is going to see that that candy was taken, and I'm the one that took it. That night, when Mama came home from work, she went in to change out of her uniform She was a bacteriologist at a local hospital. She looked at the candy dish and saw that there was was candy missing. And she called the three boys, Roger, Don, and Ray. Come in here. Stand in a row. Now, which one of you, which one of you stole the candy? Roger? No, Mama. Donald? No. Raymond? You stole the candy, didn't you? Yes, Mama. I stole it. And I was a little boy, and I knew I was going to get a whipping, and I began to cry. And I said, I'm so sorry, Mama. It just tempted me, and I couldn't help myself. And so I took it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Tears streaming down my face. Mama said, come with me, Raymond. We went out to the kitchen, and She took down the leather strap and she said to me, I hear you saying you're sorry. But I think you're saying you're sorry because you want to avoid a whipping. That won't work with me. I'm going to give you a whipping to help you remember next time there's a penalty for stealing. And the penalty today is a whipping. And I mean, my mama gave me a whipping. I felt every blow. I was broken. (laughs) I knew I deserved it. In case you're wondering, yes, I believe in corporal punishment for children. We're in trouble today in America because it's considered child abuse. No, it's not. It's righteousness. So, I took the whipping, and then Mama said something very interesting to me. She said, Raymond, if you had come to me and confessed after the first piece that you had stolen a piece of that candy, and if you'd asked me to forgive you then, I would have forgiven you. 
but you were hard-hearted. And you only wanted to say you were sorry after you were found out. I said, yes, Mom, that's true. That's true. Now, let me be very clear with you about these two kinds of repentance. Ego repentance is something that we do for ourselves. It's something we do to try to gain something. It's something we do to try to gain from God some kind of approval. Some of us, and when I was immature in Christ, I too started here, and we all start wherever we can start with repentance. But in fact, we have to grow up beyond that because ego repentance is still sin before God. It's repenting for something for us. True repentance is we're repenting for something we've done to God. We've broken his heart. We've hurt his heart. We've brought shame to his name. Now, you've confessed sin before God? Why did you confess that sin before God? Did you confess that sin before God because you wanted a job and you thought you should straighten up a little bit and God would give you a job? Did you confess your sin because you wanted God to give you a wife or a husband? Did you confess your sin because you wanted God's blessing on your life? You wanted the peace and the joy. If you have confessed your sin because you want something from God, you're still walking in sin. Think about your sin life. And all of us have had a sin life. Think for a moment about your sin life. What is the common denominator of your sin life? Did you do as one man who said to me, I became a Christian, I stopped doing drugs, I stopped smoking. He listed a whole list of things that he'd stopped doing. And he said, I did that, and I came to Jesus to avoid hell. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And if I have to give up these things in order to go to heaven, then I'll give up these things. And he was able to just cut them off. What he was not able to just cut off was his fornication. Or in the case of another man, he could not cut off his pedophilia. And so he was arrested. Today, he's serving a life term in jail. Oh, but he had cut off smoking. He'd cut off drinking. He was a regular in church. He loved Jesus with all of his heart. But he abused children. That's how it always is. 
the old man doesn't mind which sin you choose to cling to. All the devil cares is that you remain in his captivity and you continue walking in some kind of sin. And until you become a new person in Christ Jesus, you can't leave that sin. It holds you in bondage, in iron bondage. So, what's the common theme of of all of your sin? Look back over your life. What is the common theme of all of your sin? Well, some would answer fear. Some would answer unbelief. Some would answer pride. I want to give you another word. Self. Self Self-worship. I'm entitled. I have a right. This is what I did for God. Now he must do this for me. Imagine for a moment. You're in bed one morning. And suddenly presence of God comes and you hear God's voice and he says to you I'm sorry I'm sorry Bob I'm sorry Ray sorry Mary but I filled up all of my spaces in heaven And I'm just not going to have room for you. I can't let you come to heaven. There's just not room. (laughs) What would your response be? Would you angrily protest and say, that's not fair. You can't treat me that way. I have been born again. I go to church. I pay my tithe. I'm faithful before you. Would that be your response? How can you treat me like this, Lord? Would that be your response? Or would you say, Lord, if there's not room, it's okay. I am bitterly disappointed, but I love you. And I'm going to serve you whether you take me to heaven or not. You've been so kind to me. What would be your response to God? Or let me, let me put it in another way. Uh, Charles Finney, many years ago, tells this story of how a strange thought began to enter into his mind. He began to think, I've been such a wicked man. God is going to send me to hell. He had just stopped preaching. It immobilized him. He was consumed with the thought that he was going to be cast into the fires of hell. He couldn't bear the thought. He was utterly discouraged and depressed. He struggled to find God and couldn't find him. He read the scriptures and they were heavy. He couldn't he couldn't break through. And then he had this idea that came into his mind. And he said, Oh God, if you cast me into hell, I'm going to convert hell. I'm going to go to hell and preach the gospel. I'm going to worship you from hell. 
for I can't do anything but worship you. For you are righteous and holy and good, and you are worthy of all love. So even if you cast me into hell, I'm going to worship you from hell. A few days later, another thought began to enter his mind. It was, how could God bear to cast someone into hell who loved him and worshipped him? How could God bear to cast someone into hell who is going to serve and worship him from hell? He can't do it. And suddenly his whole spirit revived. And he knew God was not going to cast him into hell. Because what he had done, he had done for God, not for himself. He had not repented for himself. He repented because he offended the Almighty God. Do you understand, please, brother, sister, your sin offends the holy God of heaven. It hurts him. It pushes him away. Probably the greatest sorrow I have in my heart is that I am yet so far away from God. And I recognize the reason I am so far away from God is because I am a part of a family that has resisted him. Generations have resisted him. I come from a a wicked line, a religious line, but a wicked line of self-serving men. My father became a very different kind of man. He humbled his heart before God. And I know who I am today is largely a result of my father's earnest prayers on my behalf. But I have to be honest. I've not pressed into Jesus the way I need to. And I've had idols in my heart and in my life. And they all have to go. I don't want to offend Jesus again, ever. I don't want to say anything or do anything that would cause offense in the kingdom of God. I have sinned against heaven and earth. I have sinned against my Lord. And I want much more with Jesus than I have even begun to taste yet. I want to know Jesus. I have prayed, Lord, make me as holy as a a human man can be made holy. Do whatever is necessary in my heart and in my life. It belongs to you. Mold me, shape me, change me. Let there be no ego repentance in my heart to try to get something from you. You have already at Calvary given me everything. I receive what you gave at Calvary on my behalf. And now... Finish this work of restoration in my soul. Restore me to your likeness, Jesus. Mold me, melt me, break me. Do whatever you have to do as Evan Roberts cried out in the Welsh revival. Bend the church. Bend me, God. Bend me, bend me, bend me.
tired of the of the God talk. I'm tired of the religious talk. I want the real I want the real deal. I want Jesus. I don't want to walk in pride or arrogance. I don't want to walk successfully before him in this world. I don't want to accomplish things for me. I want it for Jesus because he deserves it. And so I pray, oh God, bring your kingdom upon the earth. Let your royal authority rule over us. Manifest yourself clearly that we can see and know you, O God. That we can be filled with your Holy Spirit, that we can be baptized in Pentecost power. Restore us, O God. Second Corinthians, the seventh chapter. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, what promises? Let me read these promises to you. This is Second Corinthians 6. I will dwell in them, and I will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. For this reason you must come out from among them and be separated, says the Lord. And the unclean thing you must not touch, and I will receive you. And I will be to you a father, and you will be to me sons and daughters, says the Lord omnipotent. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, may we cleanse ourselves from every defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And then Paul says to the Corinthian church, very personal message, he says to them, for even if I grieved you with the letter, I do not regret it even if I was regretting it, for I see that the letter grieved you, even if for a little while. I now rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you were made sorry unto repentance. This is true repentance. This is sorrow for what we have done to God. For you were made sorry with reference to God that you may suffer loss in nothing by us. For the sorrow that accords with God accomplishes repentance unto salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow that the world brings about, death. Ego repentance brings about death. Godly sorrow brings about true repentance, turning away. And this word repentance we must talk about for just a moment. And this week we're going to talk a great deal about it. But the word repentance, yes, it means to turn aside, to go another direction. But it means more than that. It means to turn toward God. This is personal with God. This is not institutional. This is not policy. This is personal with God. It's personal with you too. You want a relationship with Jesus Christ? Then the old man has to die. You have to be born from above. You have to become a new person. You can't be the same old, same old anymore. And you have to recognize what your sin has done to God. Now, we're almost out of time today, but I want to read just very briefly one passage, and I urge you to go and, and 
live in this passage today, Psalm 51. Against you and you only have I sinned. This is about Bathsheba and Uriah, murder, fornication, adultery. Verse 4, against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. He's saying, even as a baby in the womb, I was a man of sin. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. When I say I'm tired of God talk, I'm tired of religious talk. I'm tired of the talk that does not deal with the reality of how God looks at us and how we must look at him and what steps we must take in order to enter into his kingdom. There are two roads. Which road are you on? Have you gone to the Lord and cut off smoking or drinking? Have you gone to the Lord and cut off fornication? Have you gone to the Lord and said, Lord, you know, okay, I want to be saved. And so if I have to leave this in order to go to heaven, I'll I'll do that. It's a fair exchange. Your very repentance is sin before God. Your very repentance is sin before God because it is ego confession. It is to get something from God. It's trying to manipulate God. I'll do this, you do that, God. I want a wife. I want a job. I want money. I want peace. I want whatever I want. Okay, God, I'll give you this if you'll give me that. Remember Jacob? (laughs) Jacob made a covenant with God out in that desert as he's on his way to his family, escaping what he has done to his brother Esau. As the heavens open and he sees the stairway from heaven, he makes a vow. If you'll give me food and clothing and shelter over my head. I will give you 10%, God, of all that I gain. Not a good covenant with God. Because now he has to spend 20 years working as a slave for Laban. 20 years. Cheated. Gains the wrong wife after seven years and works another seven years for the second wife. That's 14 years for two wives. And then he gets to work for a few years and God rewards him with sheep of his own. But look at Moses. Moses flees from Pharaoh because he does not want to enjoy the things of Egypt, the things of sin. But he wants God. And yes, in this flesh, he tries to save his people. And he has to flee. The next 40 years, Moses herds sheep in the desert without one sheep belonging to him. But God then uses Moses in such power and such glory to deliver his people from Pharaoh. It just doesn't pay to try to make a deal with God. If God initiates the covenant, thank you. And we are, as Americans, under the Pilgrim's Covenant with God. 
That's why America has not been destroyed yet. God is very patient with his covenants. We are under the covenant with Abraham. We're under the covenant with Jesus Christ. Have you repented of your sin? Did you repent to get something? Or did you repent because you saw that you had offended a righteous and holy God? And that he was due your repentance. Have you been made into a new person in Jesus Christ? Or are you still a pagan at heart? Still caught in your sin? Still full of self? Full of anger? Full of of all the stuff of the human heart? Or have you been made righteous? Clean? Holy? Separated unto God? Where are you today with Jesus? Almighty God, I pray today that this word will draw your people to honest repentance. Not ego repentance to get something from you, but honest repentance recognizing the horrific nature of of their sin and what they have done to a holy and righteous God who is innocent and that you would put our feet on that narrow path. Lord, I pray that you will put people on their face today to repent in truth and in honesty with integrity. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm glad you've been with me today. Thank you. And I want to thank each one of you who has so kindly given to this ministry that I could come day by day and proclaim this word to you and call you to walk with Jesus. All week we're going to deal with this issue of repentance There's much we need to say about it. I'd like to hear from you. I need to hear from you to know if you'll support with me this broadcast. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, Go to the upper right-hand corner and click on Donate. There are many podcasts and videos available on nationalprayerchapel.com. Would you post them on your social network pages, and would you tell other people, and would you subscribe to this channel? Because that will cause Google to give us wider exposure. My brother, my sister, I love you. I'm praying for you. I'll talk to you soon.